Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hayer podcast. And today we are talking about Cousin Kate. Hey, Rach, how you doing? I'm all right, Sue. How are you doing? You yeah. feeling Christmassy yet? Um, if you mean really stressed, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we're four days till Christmas at the moment, which, I mean, you'll be listening yeah. to this after Christmas. Um, so yeah, just try and imagine our festive spirit, I suppose. But yeah, but yeah it's been an interesting few weeks, hasn't it, in, in COVID world? Uh, oh my goodness. We're just oh. sort of waiting, waiting to hear whether we're going to be allowed to have the Christmas we'd planned. So that's, that's all been fun, hasn't it? It has. And actually, my uh, my husband had covid a few weeks ago um and i managed to avoid it i'm i appreciate it's not because i better or did anything great but i feel really proud of myself you dodged it there's no there's no logic in that but yeah and frankly i mean yeah great i'm really pleased that he's fine but oh i had to do a lot of housework while he was out of action that's not your thing is it (laughs) no it is not i'm a lady of leisure (laughs) But yeah, no, it's, it's, other than that, it's been a nice few weeks. We celebrated my uh, dad's 70th birthday. So oh, yeah. Really, yeah, it was really nice. And uh, yesterday, I reupholstered a footstool. Oh, Sue, you're getting so good at this handiwork <laughs> stuff, aren't you? <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness, you could, be in, you could be in a Georgia Hayen novel doing that kind of thing. The thing is, with upholstery, it's 90% staple gun, 10% sewing. <laughs> And I don't think they had staple guns back then. So anyway, what have you been up to? It, I've just been preparing for Christmas. I, I do see every year. I I, I think I'm just going to get my presents really early this year. I'm going to be really, really well prepared. And to a large extent, I have, I did do that this year. But then there's all these last minute things. Like somebody's decided now we're having a secret Santa. <laughs> um, you know, these people pop up that I've realised, oh no, I should have got them a present. And so mm. I've just been doing some last minute. Is a... Uh... Is mine in the post? Um, no, we don't do that. In fact, you haven't even... I did get your Christmas card and I oh. haven't even got your Christmas card this year. This is how poorly Ooh, I, I have mean... managed. So just so you know, you're not getting one. <laughs> I mean, potentially I could put one in the post today, but I'm I'm it's, unlikely to. It's interesting how aggressively you're delivering that news. Like it's, like it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Rich. <laughs> I, I might do virtual. I might do like... Oh, don't bother. Sure, Christmas you, cards this year. You've shown how you feel about this. Do not bother. Dear. Happy Christmas, Sue. <laughs> Let's move on from this very challenging conversation <laughs> that's made me question our friendship. Um, right, we are talking about Cousin Kate today. I have a quick summary as per usual. Having grown up following the drum in the peninsula and only returning to England to live as a governess on the death of her father, Kate is nearly alone in the world, and doesn't have much luck when it comes to holding down a job. Luckily though, she has her faithful nurse Sarah, and Sarah's in-laws, the Nid family, who contact Kate's long-lost aunt. Aunt Minerva swoops into Kate's world, whisks her off to Staplewood, and encourages her grateful niece to marry her erratic son, Torquil. But Philip Broom has other ideas. So, what do you think of this then, Sue? Did you enjoy it? I, I do enjoy it. It's... It's not an unproblematic read because of the mm. content of it, basically. But it, for me, I think there are two ways of reading it. And I think mm. either you read it with the feeling that all the characters are very real, very carefully drawn and fully realised. And when you read it that way, it makes what happens to Minerva and Sir Tim and Torquil really upsetting. And uh, mm. it's, I think it's still a uh, satisfying read, but it's it's troubling. Or mm. I think you can choose to read it as Aunt Minerva, Sir Timothy and Torquil as being more sort of gothic types. So it kind of puts you in more of a position as being a, of like a callow reader, really only caring about um, Kate and Philip, which just allows you to put that family yeah. drama, just push it a little bit back enjoy the kind of gothic drama and hysteria that's sort of the atmosphere that's created um, without getting too attached to them. But it's hard, isn't it? Because I think you... it's Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But that... Yeah, and I I can see that. I I think think it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you you start... When you're reading Georgia Hay, you you have certain expectations when you're reading Mm. a a Regency romance. Mm. And I think... 
definitely when I first read this book, um, I I didn't like it. And it wasn't because it did not fit in with my expectations of what um, a Georgia Hay book or, or an escapist book should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy it this time. And, I, and, I, and because of that, it's not like a frequent reread for me yeah um I, I find I found it too just disturbing I do I do get into the characters I don't yeah and and yeah that's how I read books and I think um I think that's the thing Hay is such a good writer that you can't it, you can't really read the whole book without feeling for Torquil and uh and his dad and even to an extent his mum yeah and there's enough so, so the, yeah I, I I struggle to read it like the second way you described is this sort of uh, mm. uh, them being these gothic characters because you do have these moments of talk yeah. uh, uh, being so uh, very, very emotional mm. and tortured moments that um are quite uh, you can't he- you can't help but be disturbed by them I think yeah um it, yeah yeah so oh, I think and- um that that's what tips in is it's not quite one or the other maybe and may- yeah yeah um and i think if you're of a sensitive disposition and you like animals you will just find this book so so traumatic because it's i did i mean the death toll is insane it's like watership down (laughs) i did wonder how you would how you feel about the rabbit thing because you don't you have a thing about death not that anyone (laughs) likes seeing dead animals but don't you have like a particular dread of, of seeing dead animals Yes, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> okay, that makes, makes me, me sound worse than you somehow. <laughs> I don't have any fun with it at all. But no, but you, you don't, you don't, you really don't like it, do you? So I, I don't know how you felt about that particular disturbing scene. Okay, so should we start with Kate then? Yes, she's lovely. I like her flower-like countenance. Yes. That's how she's described. It's, it's very nice. Um, yeah, but she's but actually she's got this flower-like um, countenance. But actually, she's very capable and she's shrewd, shrewd, and um, and I think she, she she's a particularly likable heroine. Like all of the heroines that I like, she mm. approaches her troubles unresentfully and yes. with humour as well. She's got she's got a lot of humour as well. Mm. And how she describes her dealings with the Astleys is it who's the oh, family yeah. that she was a, govern- a governess for yes well she slaps uh the grandmother's son when he tries to kiss her which fair enough mm. but yeah makes it hard to yeah. hold a job down um this was before me too i believe <laughs> yes um i liked it that when she said uh, i think she was talking to sarah nid to make my fortune, or at any rate to win an independence, is of more importance than to preserve my gentility. I think that shows a good a good understanding of priorities. Well, exactly. And to be honest, how much how much of a choice does she have? I mean, she's mm. she can't well, I suppose she could rely on um Sarah, but she obviously got too much pride for that. She doesn't she doesn't want to mm. do that. And she's an incredibly difficult situation. It was so difficult, wasn't it? Mm. For women at this time, they had so few options of what they could do. She wasn't really suited to be a governess. (laughs) Unfortunately, because she was, she looked so young and she was pretty and she wasn't, um, she didn't receive the kind of schooling that you would need to do that successfully. And Mm. um, what, what other options does she have? Yes. Um, you know, well, one, you know, she she's neither one or the other. She's neither wealthy enough not to have to work, and she's um, too gently bred to to earn money. Well, and I think Lady Broom doesn't scruple to remind her of that as well. I'm sure we'll come onto it later, but you know, I think there's one point where uh, Lady Broom even says, you know, even if you were to marry a, a tradesperson, you know, they would still want someone that's bringing more to the marriage than you. And yeah. And I think Kate has some interesting sort of internal, uh, or she she has some thoughts around a kind of whether whether she chooses boredom or security because she's really bored at Staplewood. There's just nothing for her yeah. to do, but it offers security. And yeah. I think that's probably a predicament that lots of women face. And I think actually Lady Broom does as well because she really threw herself into being a hostess. But I, you know what? I find Lady Broom so interesting. I just can't 
stop thinking about her. But no, we're talking about Kate now. Yeah, but no, but I think that's right, isn't it? Just that um, I think they are contrasted in the book as well a bit, mm-hmm. aren't they? Because um, so Kate can't, um, uh, yeah, because she 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 dislikes that life of being indulgent, and I guess I mean some women maybe I don't know less intelligent and have, haven't had that kind of upbringing where she's um you know she's grown up abroad she's always had like mm-hmm. plenty to be do you know to be yeah. doing and then she's sort of thrust into this this life which she thought you know maybe that she wanted and that's it, it turns out that it's um it's quite it must be really dull for a lot of women in those days yeah following the drum must be more exciting than most modern lives you know yeah now you know she was bargaining for chickens and stuff like that day to day yeah um yeah and looking after a father and yeah so mm. um i think coming to to staplewood was uh um a bit of a shock to the system wasn't it yeah but it is like she arrived as a ray of sunshine into their lives she yeah. just kind of instantly makes everyone feel feel happy well yeah she certainly certainly for sir timothy and oh, yeah. and Torkel, um likes her mm-hmm. you know there's yeah. one thing about kate that i think is slightly unrealistic and um that's how quickly she lets torquil off the hook for nearly shooting her you know he, sh- he shoots at a dog at one point just which is standing near her and it just it, she's yeah. angry at the time but you know, within a few hours she's sort, she's sort of like oh, don't worry about it well i, I was going to talk about this more and talk more, but i i think her reaction to a lot of his behavior is a little bit odd mm. like even the very first when they she, she very first meets Torquil oh yeah um so so he's he's described and then he he's not so she, she sort of describes his early behavior as a, a, a sulky schoolboy. Mm. but it's really odd behavior for an 18 year old like incredibly immature behavior for an 18 year old yeah um, I think he's 19 and, but yes still immature okay um but it but she sort of dismisses a lot of that earlier behavior yeah. as just like schoolboy behavior and it, it's really not even mm. yeah i mean that whole thing where he puts his his hands around her neck as if to yeah. strangle her mm. yeah um so yeah. i just had one little passage that kind of describes um how she grew up and a little bit about her her parents marriage mm. which seems actually like a rather lovely marriage yeah. Well, not without difficulties, because, you know, her dad wasn't the most responsible of men, but obviously with lots of love. So, Miss Malvern was neither so young nor so guileless as her flower-like countenance frequently led strangers to suppose. She was four and twenty years old, and her life had not been passed in a sheltered schoolroom. The sole offspring of a clandestine marriage between the charming but sadly unsatisfactory son of a distinguished family and a romantic girl of great beauty but somewhat inferior lineage. She was born in a garrison town, and reared in a succession of lodgings and billets. The runaway bride whom Captain Malvern had captivated disappointed her scandalised relations by suffering no regret whatsoever at being repudiated by them, and falsified their expectations by remaining so ridiculously besotted that neither the discomforts of following the drum, nor the aberrations her volatile spouse abated her love or daunted her spirits. She brought Kate up in the belief that Papa was the personification of every virtue, the embarrassing situations in which from time to time he found himself arising, not from any obliquity, but from an excess of amiability, and that it was the duty of his wife and daughter to cherish him. She died in Portugal when Kate was twelve years old, almost with her last breath, adjuring Kate to take good care of Papa, and to the best of her ability, Kate had done so. So yeah, a lot of love in that marriage by the sounds of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting in that passage. You don't ever really get a sense of what Kate felt about her father so she's definitely not resent you know because she he did leave her in a bad situation yes um in debt. And, you, and you definitely get yeah and you definitely don't get the situation get the feeling that she's resentful towards him no. but you also don't get any sense of um whether she was aware of his faults I don't know I, mm. I think that yeah I find that a bit odd that you don't really get her opinion you get sarah's opinion of him but you don't get kate's opinion of him at all yeah that's um, true or whether yeah of how 
yeah, of, of their relationship. Um, I think just yeah. generally it sounded like a happy enough childhood. Yeah. She was well looked after. Mostly by Sarah, probably. So, should we move on to Philip then? Ah, oh, Philip. So, yeah, you don't. I don't think you get a very strong. Um, you get a, a particularly good description of him. So we know he's sort of he's, he's well looking, and we know he's comfortably circumstanced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really get a strong sense of his personality. He's. I guess he's not. Yeah, I don't. I think it 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 sort of eked out over the course of the book. So we know how. How well actually he handles Torquil. Yeah. You know, how genuine his affection is towards Sir Timothy. Um I mean he's quite protective, isn't he? Because when when Kate first arrives, he's suspicious of her trying to inveigle herself into the family. Um I think he's a great flirt. Yeah. Uh, he's quite reserved and because I think she she, yeah. <laughs> she finds it difficult to read yeah. him sometimes. You definitely um yeah, you, you definitely get throughout the book that he is a kind person. So yeah. he's kind to Sir Timothy. And even though he doesn't, um, he's not particularly fond of Torquil, he he is kind to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ha- and as you say, he handles him well. And then he's later, um, so at first he's suspicious of Kate, but, but th- throughout the book, and obviously he is sort of falling in love with her, but also he is greatly concerned about her and I think he would be concerned about anybody in that situation yeah um even if he didn't particularly um yeah like them and, and that and that shows his kindness as well so yeah I he definitely get things a kind character but I guess um you know in some Georgia Hayer books you get uh, a big um you get a, a journey don't you with a with, with your characters and, and ne- neither of them really um have got a um, particular, they don't change in the book. The main characters, do they? They're just nice people who fall in love, um, yes. and then there's not a particular journey for those characters. I think that's the contrast that they provide, because you've got this kind of mm. high melodrama of mm. Minerva, Sir Timothy, and Torquil, and in comparison, everyone, Kate, Philip, and especially the Nid family, just seem so refreshingly calm and ordinary and normal and, yeah yeah and they just throw each other into relief yeah exactly and in fact they do point that out quite a lot don't they so when they're um when they fall in love and all that stuff and then they they're talking towards the end they sort of think we're we're we are we are not gonna and they're talking about how sad the household is you know with every all these factions sort of mm. at war with each other the different um you know the, the different staff of Lady Broom and Sir Timothy and all that, and and they and they say to each other, "That's not what our household's going to be like." Yeah, it, yeah, they, they, it is a. You're right. It's, it's this contrast throughout throughout the book mm. between these nice normal characters and this big old mess on the other side. <laughs> um, do you want to hear a, a um, ex- uh, Kate describing how Philip looks? Yep. Um, Kate had the opportunity to study to study his profile. He had regular features in a well-shaped head and was generally held to be possibly good-looking. Kate decided that he was a very handsome man. Not, of course, as handsome as Torquil, but far more virile. His was a strong face, and if his mouth was stern and his eyes very keen and hard, she knew that his smile was unexpectedly attractive, warming his eyes and softening the lines about his mouth. He might be inflexible, but it was impossible to suspect him of being unscrupulous. Yeah. I like the... (laughs) he's got a well-shaped head that is important it is i don't know what that means what is it what's a badly shaped head you do see people with slightly oddly shaped heads sometimes <laughs> yeah but i know but you wouldn't it's not it's not so often that you see that you think oh my goodness that that head is well shaped <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I might notice someone's eyes i might notice someone's <laughs> cheekbones but i'm not sure that uh, I, I've got a soft spot for a nice forearm. Yes, and I, I do know that. Mm, there you go. Um, uh, I remember conversations. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I do. You know, he, so he, he starts off 
I like that you know that she um actually oh, likes him, him yeah it's straight away because of how indignant she is about him um seemingly having contempt for her yeah um because he's very suspicious of her first because he thinks that she's um in on um Minerva's plans to mm. marry her off to Torquil well um, that's interesting isn't it because I think at first she thinks that he assumes that he, she's just latching on yeah. to Sir Timothy and and uh Aunt Minerva and later she realizes that's not true but she he did think that she was there to marry Torquil and I think both times she's angry at him for making those assumptions, but also acknowledges mm. that they're not unreasonable assumptions to make. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then he quite soon realises that mm. he's made a mistake mm-hmm. and then sort of puts two and two together in terms of why Minerva's brought her, um, brought her to Staplewood. Mm. Um, so there's a bit where she where they have that he's questioning her about it. So um, I know your father is dead, but your mother? I'm an orphan, sir. I see, but you have other relations, surely. Only Aunt Minerva. At least I believe I have numerous relations, but I've never met any of them, and I don't want wish to. They pay very shabbily to my mother and quite cast her off when she eloped with Papa. But you have friends? She sighed. I've lost sight of our friends in the regiment and circumstances have prevented me from making new ones. I have my old nurse, however, and my aunt, of course. She thought that he might suppose her to be repining and added brightly, she has proved herself to be very much my friend, you know. You don't like her, but when she came to invite me here to stay, I was almost in despair and thinking of hiring myself out as an Abigail, only Sarah wouldn't hear of it, which is why she wrote to my aunt. And although my aunt is high in the instep, I mean, she corrected herself hastily, although you might suppose her to place herself on too high a form, she's been so kind to me that I feel I can never repay her. In fact, you are alone in the world, he said. I begin to understand that is an unhappy situation for a girl. So I think mm. in that passage, you, you, he is understanding that Minerva has taken this opportunity to yeah. bring somebody that is... Um, to all intents and purposes, very vulnerable because I mean she she's not in her you know she's she's not a vulnerable person but she's in a very vulnerable situation, mm-hmm. um, and has used that and and Philip's beginning to understand what she's about. Yeah, it's quite chilling, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's so cold and calculating, and I think like those words are described used to describe uh, Lady Broom quite frequently and with good reason. But um. Yeah. But yeah, I think in, in contrast to all that drama going on behind the scenes, um, it's really lovely just how quickly uh, Philip and Kate fall for each other. Because I think he makes some very broad hints very, very on, early on. Like he mentions that he wants to show her yeah. his, his home and he's talking about meeting the Nid family. Um, so he's, he's clearly, you know, decided, yep, yeah, she's a woman for me. Now might not be the time to declare it, but yep. Yeah. I but like the it. declaration actually oh. happens quite early on it's a it's a really lovely declaration it's actually one of oh, my yeah. favorites I, totally I wasn't agree expecting it I wasn't expecting it in this book but no um, I mean when I read, read it, it it's like it's such an enjoyable yeah you really do <laughs> it's such an enjoyable passage yeah um the whole thing yeah and then I think having that proposal early on means actually you get lots of nice Mm. Um, romantic moments later on as well because they actually get a bit of time together while while Lady Broom's off it, ill. It is it is quite refreshing. Not so there's a little misunderstanding in that she doesn't know whether he's offering her. Yeah. Um, but a, it's what it's sort of Spanish coin. No carte blanche. Carte blanche. Carte blanche. Um, but um, but it, but it's but she she she's upfront about it and she basically just yeah. asks him and he's oh, all and it's it's quite a nicely um nice way to sort it out there's not it's like this big misunderstanding yeah. it's just well, like a, something very easily sorted out let's have a look at this section because i don't blame her for yeah, being a little bit unclear on what he is proposing mm-hmm. because she's talking about her kind of future prospects and he says i suppose you wouldn't consider being a companion housekeeper to a gentleman he suggested and and then he kind of gradually through revealing a bit more information suggests that, that it's him he's the gentleman in question 
Um, so it's not it's not exactly an outright marriage proposal, is it? And then, um, so she's, yes, worrying that he's offering a carte blanche. She felt suddenly that if that was what he meant, it would be more than she could bear, and realised that it would be one more illusion shattered. She had not allowed herself to hope that he would offer a marriage, for she knew herself to be ineligible. She was not even sure that he loved her. He had certainly revised his first unfavourable estimate of her character, and when he looked at her, she could fancy that there was a warm, appreciative light in his eyes. But he was not a man who wore his heart on his sleeve. Indeed, if it was possible to detect a fault in him, thought Kate, sternly resolved to do so. He had too much reserve. Not, of course, a stupid sort of indifference, but a coolness of manner, which made it hard to know what he was thinking. Doggedly determined not to betray herself, she said in a light voice, which she hoped expressed contemptuous amusement. I won't pretend to play the dunce, sir. I assume that you're talking about yourself. I don't find it diverting. I was talking about myself, and I'm extremely glad you don't find it diverting, he said with some asperity. Her heart began to beat uncomfortably fast, and she could feel the colour mounting into her cheeks. She turned her face away, saying, This is quite improper, sir. I told my aunt that you showed no disposition to flirt with me, and I believed it. So I should hope. For God's sake, Kate, I'm not flirting with you. I'm trying to tell you that I love you. Oh, uttered Kate faintly. Mr Philip Broom, indignant at being given so little encouragement, said in a goaded voice, Now say you're much obliged to me? I don't know that I am, responded Kate, almost inaudibly. I don't know what you mean. With all the air of a deeply reticent man, forced to declare his sentiments, he said, Exactly what I said! I love you! You needn't shout, I'm not deaf, retorted Kate, with some spirit. I was afraid you might be. I could hardly have put it more plainly. And all you can say is, Oh, as though it was a matter of no consequence to you. If you feel that you can't return my regard, tell me so. I've dared to hope, but I was prepared to have my offer rejected. And although it would be a severe blow, I trust I have enough conduct not to embarrass you by persisting. You... "'You haven't made me an offer,' said Kate, she added hurriedly, and in considerable confusion. "'I don't in the least wish you to. I mean, I would far, far leave you didn't, if you were trying to—' "'Oh, dear, how very awkward this is. "'Mr. Broom, pray don't offer me a carte blanche.' "'A carte blanche!' he exclaimed, apparently stunned. By this time she was crimson-cheeked. She stammered, Is, "'Isn't that the right term?' "'No, it is not the right term,' he said savagely, drawing his horse to the side of the lane and pulling them to a halt. What kind of a loose screw do you take me for? Offer a carte blanche to a delicately broke girl in your circumstances? You must think I'm an ugly customer. Oh, no, no, indeed I don't. He possessed himself of his hands and held them in a hard grip. I am proposing to you, Kate. Will you marry me? Her hands instinctively clung to his. A happiness she had never known before flooded her being. But she said foolishly, Oh, no, don't. You can't have considered. Oh, dear, how improper this is. Mr. Philip Broom, after one swift glance round, dragged her roughly into his arms and kissed her. For a delirious moment Kate yielded, but every precept that Sarah had drummed into her head shrieked to her that she was violating every canon of propriety, and behaving without delicacy or conduct. She made a desperate attempt to thrust them away, uttering an inarticulate protest. He released her with unexpected alacrity, ejaculating, I might have known it, and set his horses in motion again. That's what comes of proposing in a curacle. Straighten your bonnet, Kate, for the Lord's sake. <laughs> and yeah, then there's some people come round the corner, because that's what happens if you kiss someone in a car in a curacle. Um, but yeah, I think that's yeah. really nice. He, he basically yells, "I love you." It's, it's cat block. It's you know, yeah, yeah. In the book, and that's great. Like, I do get, I do get why she thinks, why she she's concerned about what he's actually offering her. Mm. But I do get like him, it, like he wouldn't even dream of doing anything else. Which, no. uh, he's he's a gentleman. He's lovely. I, I think as well as that lovely proposal scene, there's a bit. Um, shortly after that where they're alone in the breakfast room together and he's pushing her chair into the table behind her and he just drops a little kiss on top of her head I know I as love the, that bit yeah. as well and the, the butler Pennymore walks in and pretends yeah. to see it I like Pennymore he's yeah. a good one. Um, yeah. yeah there's just lots of little moments like that that are really really lovely and make you think oh yeah this is a good solid couple not to mention the fact that at the end Philip kind of gives her the option of just getting out of Dodge while he unpicks the horrible mess that's going to be that's left behind at Staplewood and she says no I'm staying with you but you know we're a partnership yes Sarah wouldn't let her do that anyway oh Sarah Um, that's not the way she's been brought up by the way on the subject of Sarah I love the fact that we even get a romantic little backstory for Sarah because she went off to the peninsula to look after Kate having met Mm. Joe Nid Joe Nid yeah 
and Joe waited seven years for her to return. Yeah. And then, and then they got married. That is, that's a good man right there. A good man who recognises the value of a good woman. Um, there's actually a bit, at the beginning of the book where we see uh, Mr. Nid Senior talking with um, Kate. It sort of reminded me of Mr. Chorley and Lydia. I guess because we've, we've just read um, A Civil Contract. But he's that kind of salt of the earth, calls a spade a spade type. And she's this straightforward, um, you know, ray of sunshine. And they get on really well together. And yeah, it, it gave me Lydia, Mr. Chorley vibes. Chorley vibes. Um, yeah, yeah. Mr. Nid um, Senior's not in it enough, is he? But he's, um, it, no. he's, a, good, he's a great character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the, the lovely love story. And... Um, but it's quite a simple love story, isn't it? It's probably it's secondary to the main main plot. Um, yeah, albeit um, very sweet. Um, so, should we talk a bit about Lady Broom? Oh yeah, let's get our teeth into Minerva. <laughs> so it's difficult to make to, to get to make her out at first, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To find she's very kind to Kate in the beginning. There are hints um, though. There are hints, and and the main hint I think is how weirdly rapturous she is about Staplewood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, uh, you know. Oh, and the unbroken line. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely obsessed with the, um, the bro- yeah the unbroken line, which is um, a, a very strange thing to get hung up hung up about, <laughs> isn't it? And also, I think fairly early on, you sort of learn that she's not particularly fond of Sir Timothy or mm. Torquil. Mm. Um, and actually, she's more, much more fond of Staplewood and um, and preserving the line mm. than she is about any of the people that you know she she lived with any any of her family. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting because yeah. if you don't look too closely, it does look like she cares about Sir Timothy and Torquil, but yeah. it's in a quite twisted fashion, and yeah. it really she only cares about them to the extent that they will help her satisfy her goals. Yeah, and and how and how that reflects on her. So 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 we know that she. Um, she doesn't. She didn't actually like life in the country to begin with. Mm. She she liked life in London, um, but Sir Timothy's illness um, made it impossible for them to stay in London. So mm. they came to live at Staplewood, and she made that huge sacrifice. And yeah. that would suggest that she was head over heels in love with Sir Timothy, which we know she's not really capable of. Mm. So her motivation for doing that presumably is it's it is what was expected of her it's this um it, it's this obsession with um her her i don't know her place in the world her position her the way she's viewed i guess her yeah. what what is her sense of what is her duty um overrode all her own uh yeah, her own feelings on it. It's fascinating, isn't it? You wonder how many natural feelings she ever had because it, Dr. Delabol um, does tell Kate mm. that, that she had a violent temper as a child until she learned to keep it under mm. strict control. And you get this kind of feeling that maybe, may, maybe Talk will get some of his uh, leanings from, yeah. him, from his mum, that she, she was a, a difficult customer as well. Um, you know, what? Well, there's, <laughs> the, there's a point towards the end of the book where she's having a big conversation with Kate um, and yeah. she's basically come clean about everything um, and as part of that she talks about her feelings about motherhood um, so Kate talks about kind of the time that she spent that uh, Lady Broom has spent apart from Torquil and says I wonder you could bear to part with him Kate said before she could stop herself my dear child I make no secret of the fact that I'm not one of those women who dote on infants to own the truth, I find them repulsive. They're forever screaming or dribbling or being sick. Besides, his nurse managed him far better than I could, even had I not been much too busy to make the attempt. To be a successful hostess takes up one's time and energy, I promise you, and I was successful. 
and then it ended. It, and although <laughs> she doesn't sound, yeah, she, you just think, okay, yeah, she's not the maternal type. Um, and also, I kind of see her being a successful host as her career. And she didn't want to yeah. give it up. You know, if, if you translate that into today's standards, she was a career woman. She didn't want to have a child. She had to have a child. And she struggled with that. That doesn't yeah. let her off the hook. She, she's, a, she's an awful person. But it, there's, a, there's something there that, that makes me feel for her a bit. Yeah, because we've had mothers before um, in Georgia Haybooks that, that clearly think of themselves more than... Um, uh, more than their children yes. um, like Venetia's mother or mm. you know, there's been plenty of them mm. but we don't dislike them as much as we dislike her because you know none of them um, would wish ill upon their children they're just a bit you know they're, they're just a bit um, standoffish or a bit um, disjointed mm. from them but but she is actively awful <laughs> and damaging <laughs> to her child yeah. um um so i think there's a bit that's really chilling um when they're having this conversation so her kate holmes conversation where she is telling kate that she wants her to marry talk but earlier earlier on she's saying i believe i know more about the brooms than sir timothy does and sometimes i think i care more but there was one thing he cared for and had never close to me it wasn't until I found the genealogical tree at the bottom of a chest full of old letters and accounts and forgotten deeds that I realized that for 200 years Staplewood and the title had descended from father to son in unbroken sequence how many families can boast of that I understood then why why Sir Timothy was so anxious every time Torquil contracted some childish ailment, and I became determined, determined, that it should be no fault of mine if he descended, like the children of Sir Timothy's first marriage, into an early grave. I mean, that is, that's scary, isn't it? Like, mm. She talked about her not um, particularly wanting children, but she, um, the only reason why she wants to keep Torquil alive is to preserve this line, mm. um, which um, you sort of think, well, is she doing that for Sir Timothy? But she's not really, isn't she? She's already said that he mm. cared, she cares more for it than he does. And um, he hasn't, it wasn't actually him that said, oh, there's this 200 year no. line. So presumably he doesn't care that much. This is just yeah. a way for her to establish her, her kind of amazing wife and mother status. Yeah, so just really clearly doesn't love Torquil at all. Um, and is the decisions that she makes uh, are, are actively making him worse, I think. Um, and yeah, what, well, yeah, how different could it have been if he had a different mother? Yeah, well, there's this... Um, after that conversation, Kate reflects on it. Um, and she said... When Lady Broom had spoken of Torquil's childhood and of her fantastic scheme for his future, she had done so without a trace of feeling. Only when she described her own emotions had she shown any feeling. She had not uttered a word of pity for her unhappy son. It had not seemed to occur to her that it was far more his tragedy than hers. To Kate, this, if not madness, was an egoism so monstrous as to be unbelievable. Yeah, it sums it up well, doesn't it? Mm. And I think there's a point where, as well, Kate says, it's like they were talking a different language. And I, I think we probably many of us have been in arguments with people where it's it's felt like that. And um, yeah, there's just yeah. There's, there's never going to be middle ground where where they can understand each other. And in in a moment that made me gasp when I was reading it, when Kate tells Lady Broom that she's engaged to Philip, Lady Broom calls her a slut. Yeah. Whoa. I know. Have, have we had that word before in Georgia? Hey, I don't think no, we have. No, I don't think so. It, sh- it, it shocked me. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and so incredibly unfair and unreasonable, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not that it's ever okay to call someone. No, no. Um, I have a quick question for you about Lady Broom. Mm-hmm. Do you think she was having an affair with Dr. Delabol? I, you see, I don't think so, no. I mean, I hope not, because he was her doctor since she was 12. Yeah, exactly. So strange. But also, when she dies at the end, mm. um, 
um, he he does not present the appearance of somebody that yeah. is was that fond of her. Mm. Um, I guess it might be, but I, I I think it's that who says it? Gurney says it mm. um, to Philip. Um, I think that is the rumor mm, because yeah. else why would he? she keep him there yeah it's actually quite a useful rumor for her isn't it exactly exactly and um yeah yeah and and actually the the reality is much worse it's it's because he will keep her secret and um yeah so he's he's in on this as well isn't he mm. um but I don't, I don't i don't get the feeling that she i think her sense of uh duty is that the word her, her misplaced sense of duty and her um her attitude would 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 mean that she wouldn't do something like that almost I yes don't know. although when she was trying to persuade kate into marrying torquil she did she did say you know after a while if you're discreet I, i'll turn a blind eye to any affairs yeah but one thing that um lady broom said that made me flinch um Kate and Torquil had had a bit of a falling out and uh, she said she said to Kate well I dare say he was very provoking but young men my dear don't care to be scolded and certainly not by young women you should learn to button your lip yeah oh. I know <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. yeah but yeah I mean, she's generally a bad egg isn't she um mm-hmm. but it's interesting she becomes increasingly desperate doesn't she because there's rumours about Torquil and she realises that soon um, she will have to actually do something about it. Yeah. Um, she talks of confining him. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of desperation makes her uh, appear more and more uh, unsound herself, I guess. Well, yeah, she steps up the threats a notch, doesn't she? So she yeah. she tells Kate that, you know, if, if Kate doesn't marry him... She, uh, she'll incarcerate Torquil and she'll prevent Philip from being able to see Sir Timothy. You know, she really throws out everything that she's got in her arsenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we think um, tells Torquil that she will he yes. will have to be incarcerated. We don't know that, yes. but that's, yeah, what we can it seems surmise, like a, I guess. Yeah, it seems like a sensible inference, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. despite all of that, oh, I wouldn't wish that ending upon her. Strangled by her own son. Wow. There is... After her death, Kate goes downstairs and and sees the body and Sidlaw's there enacting quite the scene. Um, And Kate... They... they, It goes into quite detail, a a domestic level detail on how they... How you suddenly deal with a dead body in a country house mm. and I found it really interesting and it the pace suddenly changed and it, it felt quite like slow and measured sedately sedate kind of like a funeral I suppose and you know they're talking about laying the shawl over her and then Kate goes upstairs and takes the sheets off the bed and makes it ready and you know it's just there's just something well, interesting well, where it slows it all down and then Kate remembers yeah. that Torquil might be an issue yeah which I find very yeah. strange. Like, how did you forget that? How did you... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, because at that point, no one knows where he's gone after yeah. killing his mother. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, it, was, it was a big shock to her, wasn't it? So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll cut some slack. But, but I think as well, there's something... I don't know. It, it Obviously, it was awful death, but it's not presented as a tragedy. No. So, d- d- I mean, certainly Torquil uh, t- talk killing himself is not presented as a, tra- a tragedy, but not even him killing his mother is really presented as a tragedy. It, it, what the tragedy is, you know, how he how he lived his life and how awful it was for him, not really either death, because no one apart from Sidlaw, her dresser, is really um, mourning the death Certainly, Sir Timothy's not. Oh, he bounces back. Well, which we might come out. I've got a lot to say about Sir Timothy. So, (laughs) um, yeah, but um, it's not presented as a tragedy. So I think that's sort of slowing down. It's almost like Mm. uh, it, 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 you know, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then suddenly it comes back down and it's, um, 
yeah, it's it's all everything calms down after she dies. Yeah, and then yeah. I guess in, in short order, Philip comes back and breaks the news that Torquil's dead. And Kate, I think, just says, did he drown himself? And all that foreshadowing that's come before in the book about the lake and yeah, and Torquil not wanting to be alive anymore. Um, I, and yeah, it's like, it's almost like the stillness of the book reflects the stillness of the lake. I, there's something, mm. there's something, I don't know, it just... It doesn't have the the high drama that it's had that that's kind of built yeah. up earlier in the book, but it just gives you a moment to kind of feel feel the impact of it. I think, and I I would say that Torquil's death is does have a tragic feel to it. I think there's a point where he's um they she sees his body and without kind of all the pressures and stresses and turmoil that that exists in his living time, um he looks very peaceful and just like a beautiful a beautiful young man. Yeah. And, I think yeah. that's what it is. It's like, yeah, all, all sad. But that's why I think I mean, she said, "Isn't it that the, the tragedy was was his life?" Um, yeah, because no one thinks he was going to have a happy future, really, did they? No. Although, exactly. I would say that Philip actually kind of outlined. You know, he said, "If Torquil was in my yeah. charge, I'd get rid of Delabol and get in a man who knows how to take care of Torquil and be pleasant company." And suddenly you think, yeah. oh, what could his life be like, yeah. actually? He's not doomed to drown himself in a lake. Maybe he could have had a, a, a better life than that. Yeah. I, I think one of one of the scenes, actually, that I found really sad with Torquil is when Kate announces that he's leaving, oh, that she's yeah, leaving. And he as well. almost gra- I think grabs her around the legs and, and he begs her not to leave. Yeah, his life is so lonely. Yeah, and I think that scene is particular. I think just going back from what you said in the beginning of the book, that mm. um, about about whether they're you know these gothic unreal characters, I, I, I just it doesn't sit well with that scene because that yeah. it's like it's like a small child mm. um, begging for somebody not to go, his one friend not to go, yeah. and um, oh, it's awful. I think what what in some respects makes it easier easy to make that distinction between the the person and the type is that a lot of Torquil's behaviors you don't see firsthand you see yeah. him nearly do something dangerous but it's like and i think as well because he doesn't even remember necessarily what he's done yeah. that that it's just like nighttime Torquil, full moon Torquil. is it is you know yeah pulling try to pull a tail off a kitten when he was a kid Ooh. And he pulled the head of that rabbit, didn't he? Yeah, and he strangled another rabbit when he was, when he was a kid. And then, you know, the bit where he um, he had the accident at the end, not the lake. I mean, yeah. when he on the horse. Did he was he trying to jump over a, a wall that was too high, or did he? I think so. Ride a horse into a wall. Well, I think, I think he was trying to, I don't know actually escape. Right, I, I thought he was trying to escape. It. He's trying to escape, and he's trying to jump. Yeah, to, but a wall that clearly could not be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, could not be jumped. Yeah. Um, so that that horse's death is on his hands as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No animals don't come off well. I mean, that dog got had a lucky escape, but mm. other than that, I can't. You know what? I had my my nan's dog used to bite me when someone wasn't when if I was <laughs> ever alone. That little Yorkshire Terrier would bite me. He'd only do it when I was alone. Um. But I don't go around to try and shoot dogs. No, no. I'd like to make, like to make <laughs> <I don't>. that clear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about that representation of mm. mental health. Um, but uh, I mean, having said that, you know, there's you know, people people that have psychoses and do awful things. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that there are a few sort of. Uh, it's the language, yeah. isn't it? It's the language and that maybe we have a problem with. I was thinking, like today, me- language around mental health is still really tricky, and I, yeah. I've probably put my foot in it a couple of times during this podcast, which I apologise. Um, it, but it's yeah. one of those things that you feel like it's always changing, and it's it's difficult to get right. But I, I was interested in some of the stereotypes that were presented, um, to to kind of suggest uh, Torquil's madness. So there's the hereditary element. Because um, Lady Broom says her great uncle, I think, was committed. Yeah. Although um, I think that's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I think there is a 
Yeah, that's the, with some element to it. But yeah. yeah, yeah. There's the thing about um, the animal thing. The animal thing. Yeah. Animal, yeah. Uh, full moon. Full. Yeah, full moon. And I'm sure there are lots of people who work in A and E's and stuff who say, yeah, full moon's really, really bad. I don't know. I, yeah. can't, I can't see any logic behind it. But all right. Um, and then the bit about um, his rep- his repressed sexual drive. That was in that was interesting and alarming because i think lady broom suggests to kate that when um when his passions find a natural outlet he might get better and i'm thinking yeah oh they might or he might strangle her so that feels like and she's all kind she's all saying oh you know i wouldn't let him anywhere near you when he was in a, a dangerous mood but if they're gonna live together as man and wife that they're going to have time alone. Well, exactly. And as Philip said, um, it it would it, it's not as if there are. Well, you got the sense that um, although there might be times where he is um, he is more dangerous, mm. it, it it can switch. Yeah, um, we knew that because when he had his when he had his hand around her neck, if mm. she'd have struggled. Um, you know what would what would he have done anyway? So yeah, it's clearly rubbish what Lady Broom was saying, but yeah, I'm not. Sh- I guess you just have to take it how it is in the book, don't you? Um, but I think certainly some of the language. There's a bit of me. Today. There's a bit of me that's imagining like a Handmaid's Tale scene where she's just in the room while they have their conjugal visits. Yeah, keep an eye on proceedings. No, you wouldn't put it past her, would you? <laughs> oh, and that bit where she is like, well, you're not going to have. Of course, you wouldn't have a daughter. Yeah, I know. They couldn't believe anything, anyone suggest such a thing. So, we've got Torquil, we've got Lady Broom, we've got Sir Timothy. Now, you've got feelings about Sir Timothy, haven't you? I do, I do. I struggle to Mm. find him a sympathetic character. So he clearly suspects or knows quite a large part of what's going on so very early on it's clear that he sort of understands what Minerva has brought Kate to Staplewood for yeah because the very first meeting I think he says something um that suggests it like oh so he she's brought you here has she if so Mm. there's some there's some language that makes you think okay he sort of knows what knows what's going on. There's a conversation. Uh, there's a conversation where he warns Kate not to let, um, not not to do, not to let Minerva persuade her to do anything. Yeah. And he's only having that conversation. It's clear that he's only having that conversation with her because he likes her. So mm. if if she if he didn't like her, would he have made no intervention at all about a poor girl coming to his house mm. and going to be married off to his who he realizes is. Um, his son who um, has issues um, let's say Mm. Um, and and it and he's and we know later on that he suspects um, he asked the doctor if Torquil was mad and I'm using their language um, was mad and and so he clearly knows what's going on and he chooses to look the other way now okay he's you know he's ill he he might not feel up to the fight um, with Minerva but Mm. he was still in a big position of responsibility of authority in that household yeah and there was there was definitely something he could have done and he doesn't do it so I I I don't know what to think of him and Mm. I don't feel as forgiving of him as Kate does and Philip I think both so Philip I think is at some pains to excuse Sir Timothy's behavior to Kate kind of saying you know I, I can't respect him but I do love him and you know I suppose Philip can draw upon his earlier yeah. memories of Sir Timothy when he was married to his first wife, who sounds lovely. Um, but I, I think it's perhaps Sir Timothy's tragic backstory that can give the reader a bit of sympathy for him because he's he's lost multiple children and his wife, right? It is very sad. He's got he's got a milkiness of character, um, which yeah, it's just who he is. Yeah, but I, oh god, it's a bit more than that, though, isn't it? Because yeah. it's his own son. So however, however who clearly it's not the son that he wants but no, he wants Philip. He almost obs- 
we almost absolve him of all responsibility towards Torquil because yeah uh b- because Torquil's the way he is well that's not good enough is it no he has absolute responsibility for Torquil but he he doesn't feel any or he doesn't you know even when he's died he feels oh yeah mm. I, I yeah, Wait, he, I he kind know. of says early on doesn't he that when you reach the end of your life you, you do just stop caring about things um maybe he's depressed i don't know but um I, there is a, a bit of me that uh, there's there's a there's actually a scene where towards the end where um sarah is reporting a conversation she had with pennyworth where pennyworth is suggesting that actually sir timothy from here on in now that his wife and son are dead um might find that his neighbors pop around more he has more social interactions and actually he'll be happier and there's i I kind of begrudge him that happiness Mm. i'd feel a lot better towards sir timothy i think if he god i can't believe i'm gonna say this quietly died um but Yeah. yeah he he hasn't taken enough action to deserve a happier ending i think yeah it it does make me comfortable that he gets another crack at life at this at this point having having just sat aside and watched these things unfold around him so the the very last line of the book Mm. um so is this is sir timothy so um you smile at kate drink up your wine my pretty I think we won't discuss anything that's happened today. We shall eat our dinner, and after that, I shall challenge you to a rubber of piquet. So, mm. I don't know that, like, what, everything has happened. Yeah, and that's how he ends it. But it's happened that day. It's happened that day. His 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 wife yeah. has died. His son has killed himself, mm. and again, he's saying, mm. um, "Let's put that all to the side. I'm going to completely detach myself." Mm. Um, from everything that's happened, and let's ha- have some have some dinner. And uh, see, I so I'm really happy that Kate and um, and Philip got together, and that's gonna that that's a nice happy ending. Mm-hmm. But that is a last line for the book. Yeah. Um. I I yeah I struggle with that. <laughs> he said as well to Kate. Um. Oh, I'm afraid you've had a very uncomfortable day, and she's. Obviously, really taken aback by that understatement. <laughs> um, it, it's detachment, isn't it? He has detached uh, himself from mm. what's been going on. And... I think it's odd as well when he knows that something's wrong with Minerva and he, and he suspects that she's dead and he knows that Torquil's missing, but he still doesn't stir out of his quarters, does he? He's just there waiting no. to be told. Locked him, He's like physically locked himself away. And, and I, I know I, I get the bit about... Um, him having a tragic um a tragic life but he's sort of given up hasn't he yeah oh god so given up yeah yeah that's how i feel about sir timothy yeah it's a lot of feelings i was hoping we could talk about sort of the gothic element of this book mm. a bit because i see i did enjoy this the first time i read it and i enjoyed it when i reread it um because i love a bit of gothic drama um, and it's got that kind of a Jane Eyre feel to it a little bit. Like there's, yeah. you know, isolation and there's secrets and potential madness. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, there's something lurking, isn't there? You know something's going to happen. Yeah, um, well, right at the beginning, the first time Kate sees Staplewood, um, Kate's first view of the great house drew a gasp from her, not of admiration but of dismay, since it seemed to her for a moment staring at the huge facade whose numberless windows gave back the sun's dying rays and every colour of the spectrum, that the building was on fire. Yeah. I mean, that I can picture that so clearly in my head. And then there's sort of like the Kate and Torquil wandering around the lake and it's all very melancholy. Torquil talks about drowning. There's, there's storms in the night, screams, yeah. screams from around. Oh, and she's locked in her bedroom at one point. That's yeah. amazing. That sort of... Um... Uh, storm a s- screaming thing that really did feel Jane Eyreish does didn't it that yeah you know you yeah yeah oh, the, the um, bit where she catches Sidlow trying to lock her in the bedroom yeah that, that's good and she kind of goes oh you found the key have you I'll have that fantastic and then you've got Mrs Thorne mm. with her prophecies 
Oh yeah, she dressed all of them. Yeah, yeah. She who, by the way, tunes out was right. (laughs) Yeah, she dreamed of a coffin in the blue saloon with blood streaming from it, and yeah, not not miles away. But Philip describes her um, as that fat, lazy creature. Yeah, which I thought was very, very disappointing. I don't like. I don't like people suggesting fat people are lazy. No, it's not nice. No, for some reason. I I blame Georgia Hayer for that more than I blame Philip. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe he would say it. So okay, good. Thank you. I think she's got that wrong. <laughs> um, and yeah, and other bits I suppose that, that that I enjoy are the fact that her letters aren't getting sent. We all know they're not getting yeah. sent, but she's very slow on the uptake. Um, because she really does want to believe the best of lady broom for as long as possible doesn't she yeah but i i yeah i that's another bit i find a little bit disbelieving because yeah even when she knows that um that she's been not sending her letters she finds excuses for it even when she wants um uh, she knows that she she's only brought her there to marry her off um to her her son mm. she she still doesn't believe that um she, she doesn't believe the worst of it yeah anyway well and she she kind of doubts philip i think that's the only way she doubts philip by saying oh he's very yeah. prejudiced against lady broom <laughs> thinking yeah. no no with good reason mm. what i think cuts across all of those gothic bits however is sarah and the rest of the nid family Brings it down to earth, doesn't she? Yeah, because there are points where Kate's getting a little bit hysterical and she's just like, I've got to get out of here. It's all so terrible. And yeah. Sarah just... Put yourself together. Yeah, sit down there. Yeah. I'm just going to pack some clothes. Calm down. And and as well, things like Mrs. Thorne and her prophecies introduce this comic element that just take you out yeah. of it for a minute. Yeah, that that is neat. And then, and I do quite like that bit um, when um, Kate's trying to deal with all... So Lady Room's ill and... Um, and then Kate's trying to deal with all the household things, like yes. the the French cook, yeah. um, who um, who's having a bit of a hissy fit, mm. um, and have and and the the war between Sidlaw and Mrs Thorne, mm. um, all those little domestic bits. That's quite a nice bit that takes you out of it as well, because no, okay, now we're back to the mundane. We're just sorting yeah. out household things. Yeah, I think it's all of those bits as well that that. It's like, is it a gothic drama or is yeah. it not? Because I think if you were reading something like The Turn of the Screw, they don't let up the tension on that. It just keeps, you know, there's no comic interludes. It just keeps go- going. Um, but yeah, with this, it, it it's broken up all the time with like a little romantic bit, a little funny bit, or a little nid family bit. So yeah, I, I, I am confused as to what, what Hale's going for there I, I enjoy it i think it is though isn't it she, she she's she's writing she's writing a georgia Hayer book yeah. <laughs> um which which has some gothic elements yeah i think the problem with that is that is that bit about it uh these it feels the characters feel more real because she's yeah. done yeah. those little bits yeah I, and that and that makes it difficult mm. a point difficult to read because it's sad and yeah and emotional well, I think what struck me was that, you know, when you're reading a Hayer adventure story and there's this kind of like fast called madcap bit at the end where it's just sort of coincidence after coincidence and somebody misunderstands yeah. and it's it's just hilarious. It's, you know, the ducklings on the loose, that kind of bit. The version on this is more, it's tragedy, pardon, tragedy, pardon, tragedy in a madcap way. Um, yeah. And then it breaks and it's very calm and sad. But it's almost like they both have that pacey building up towards the end a bit. Yeah. Just one's tragic, one's humorous. Probably, if you're a writer, that's, you know, it means something around, yeah, pacing and <laughs> structure of a book. I, I don't know. Um, it makes for a good reading. It works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, can I point out, by the way, in my copy of this book, um, they have consistently uh, got the word reticule, as in like the little handbaggy thing, confused with ridicule oh no yeah so at one point kate asks where is my ridicule (laughs) (laughs) that's shoddy isn't it yes oh and one other thing at one point sarah says to kate that um her father-in-law would have said to kate that she looked like a strained hair in a can 
And I was looking at it thinking, can that be another typo? I, d- I don't understand it. Straight yeah. hair in a can. I don't know. It's gross. It must mean something. Must it's, it? but what if it... it's hair spe- It's hair spelt as in head hair, not like a rabbit. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But again, like, I can't trust these books because the, the typos are bad. Someone else um, pointed out to me the other day about um, Sarah Thane drawing horses, not houses. Oh, yeah. Which I'm grateful for oh, and, and still makes me laugh when I read it. Do listen to our Tasman Ring episode to get that reference. I don't think I've got really anything else to say about oh. this. I enjoyed it and I think if you're listening to this and you haven't read Cousin Kate in a while... Give it a go. You might you might be surprised. I mean, just for the proposal scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a really good proposal scene, that one. With all Georgia Hay, there's, really, there's witty little exchanges here and there. Oh, yeah. between, you know, and the, the scene with Kate and um, Garçon and the sorting out little household thing. They're all quite amusing little things, aren't they? Um, it's, yeah. It's some good little bits. It's just... It's just slightly weird yeah. that she's having these conversations with Miss Thorne and... Mrs. Thorne and um, Sid Law and, and the chef, as there's a dead body upstairs. Yeah. That's weird. Anyway, who are we to judge? We all cope with death in our own ways. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> so we've decided what our next book's going to be, haven't we? Right, yes. So from here on in, we're not alternating choices. We've just come up with, a, with an order so that we can mix up the different types of books and try and keep it interesting. Um, which means that the next book we'll be reading is charity girl hmm. i haven't read that in a while no same here cherry yeah i think that's right okay um, Ooh, and maybe des and henrietta oh that's a good memory i think it's got a nice a nice normal heroine i don't i don't think any animals are decapitated in this book that would be a nice change thank you for listening um please rate and review us you can now review us on um spotify by the way um so, you know, if you listen to us on Spotify, please just, you know, hit that five star button. That'd be amazing. Um, and until then, we hope you've had a nice Christmas um, and we wish you the very best for 2022. Let's hope it's better than 2021 and 2020. Yeah, what I feel like is you've just jinxed that, haven't you? <laughs> Everyone, Rachel is to blame for ruining 2022. Let's get that clear in advance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, bye for now. Bye. Bye.